Hey there, friends. How's everybody? Good. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, hey, so I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Old Kentucky Christmas again. Um, it, that it's huge for our church. And uh, again, uh, the basis behind doing it is not to uh, make First Church famous. It's to make Jesus famous. And so I'm convinced that somebody that has come to Old Kentucky Christmas or somebody that you will invite uh, will meet Jesus at Old Kentucky Christmas and be introduced to the church, not first church, but the church overall. I'm convinced that a life change that could happen uh, because of an invite that we make, a specific invite uh, this week. So uh, I'm crazy excited about it, crazy excited about what it could do for us, but then also crazy excited about ways that we can make Jesus famous as a church. Um, I love our worship team at First Church, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm blown away that they can do what they do. Um, and back when Guitar Hero came out, it made me think that I could play guitar, and I cannot. I can only do this and strum the little button that's down here. That, that's all I can do. Uh, I love music. I love to listen to music. I love uh, to watch people play music. I don't know how it works, but I love it. I don't, just because I don't, just because I don't know how it works doesn't mean I sit in silence. So uh, I love music. And so I, I connect with music sometimes and I connect with, and, and much like you guys, I connect with God in a variety of different ways. There's been times when I've been out and about, I've been in nature and I've seen incredible things and I connect on a very deeply spiritual level uh, with something that I'm witnessing with my own eyes. There's other times when I hear a message from a person uh, and, it, it, and it deeply convicts me and it convicts me to move uh, and change something about my life. And yet there's other times uh, when I hear music and there's often times where I hear uh, our worship band play and I start looking at the words that we're singing and I start thinking about the words that are coming out of my mouth and I start wondering if my actions match these words. And uh, I move to emotion, and I stand in the back, and I, I can't sing because words are not coming out. And so I know that you guys uh, possibly could resonate with that, but uh, what's extremely specific about this series that we're doing is how many times do we sing these songs, and we just go through it, and we sing these songs, and we don't really think about the words that we're singing. So my hope for us as a church body, is this season that we slow down. I found myself on Mall Road yesterday, and it was a terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> and I, I hope for you that you weren't on Mall Road and you saw a red truck yesterday because that wasn't a good thing. I'm teasing. Uh, but my hope for you is that we can slow down this Christmas season, that we can find stillness. This time of year, it doesn't matter how organized you are, everyone has a to-do list. There's always a party you go to go to, a house to clean, presents to purchase, houses to decorate, cards and pictures to send out. And as I say these words, it spikes your anxiety. Some of you in this room are like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And you're writing that down like, I got to get that done uh, as soon as I leave church today. And so what I wanted to do is accomplish a very small part of this, a very tiny way uh, to, to give you margin today uh, and to let you just step back. And think about the words that we're singing. And think about the words that are coming out of our mouth. Um, how many times, again, we decorated, uh, my family and I decorated and put our tree up this past week. And um, we had Christmas songs on and we just sang verbatim, word for word. 
uh, all these songs that we've always sang and always heard. So this morning, uh, we are talking about uh, the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And I'll read this to you. I'm not going to sing it to you. And I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> o come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. You sing that three times. I'm not going to read it three times because it just sounds silly. Uh, Christ the Lord. I want to give us a ton of hope this morning. And I don't know what road has brought you here, uh, but I want to leave. I want you guys to leave this place with a hunt, with a ton of hope. I believe this begins with our baseline, that relying that our hope doesn't rest just in our hands. Uh, the baseline that our hope is is anything that we can accomplish, anything that we can do. Um, it, it it doesn't resonate with that. That our hope is in the person and the character of Jesus. That we celebrate His birth but we celebrate his life every week in the church. Uh, so I want to start with that baseline, that our hope is in him, our hope is in what he's done, the work that he's done, and the work that the Spirit is continually doing uh, for us, through us. Um, that Jesus went and he was sent to die in our place in a death that he didn't deserve. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we, we can become the righteousness of God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. This is such very good news for us this morning. 2,000 years ago that Jesus, or that, that God decided that he was going to end the madness and the confusion when people were sacrificing animals and trying to figure out what clothes to wear and where to sit. And these are all rules that they had to follow in the Old Testament. And, and God said, enough's enough. And he sent his son to die in our place, a death that he didn't, didn't deserve. But he came as a baby to save humanity. So the very first line in this, the very first words say, O come, who is this that is being called? When we sing, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, who is that that should be coming? Who is being called upon here? According to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus calls weary and burdened people. He says these words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From the time that you're old enough until the time that you're old enough, you will be working. <laughs> From the time that you're old enough to the time that you're old enough, you will be working and you will labor. This is what we know. You see, in the earthly kingdom, we're earning to live and support our family. But the good news is, his kingdom, the currency is different. The currency means something different. We do not label and labor and toil for his, for this kingdom. The contrast that he is providing rest for our souls. Contextually, if you read this passage in Matthew that Jesus is talking to a specific group of people here. And so contextually, Jesus looks out into the crowd of weary and burdened people, and he says these words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Contextually, he's saying this to people back then, and he extends an invitation to them. Jesus wants them to come to him for relief. The same can be said for many of us in this room. That in 2019, that he sees exhaustion. 
and he sees being weary written all over your face and he sympathizes with you and he's calling you today 2019 to come to him also who else is being called according to Matthew chapter 9 Jesus calls sinners this is very good news because this includes all of us Jesus says these words, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. There's nothing that we can do to earn what lays ahead of us. If we had it all together, if we had it all together, if we did everything right, the need for Jesus does not exist. The need for him to come save us from something does not exist. We wouldn't need him. We would squeeze him out. God knew from the beginning of time, or actually from Genesis 3 on, that we would need a solution. And it wasn't going to be us. God desires all people to be saved. God desires all of us to be saved. Contextually, 1 Timothy 2.4 is about the importance of praying for world leaders and kings and people in high power, which we should be doing. But the, the following text is golden. 1 Timothy 2.4 says this, God our Savior who desires all people, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What does all mean? All means all. He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Jesus and God want us to come to them. Regardless of who we are and what we have done, the invitation is not pending your behavior. Like he's not going to withdraw his invitation to you to come to him, all you weary and burdened people. He's not going to withdraw his invitation because you're too weary and too burdened. He extends us an invitation. He desires all people, everyone. Some of us in this room need to hear this loud and clear. The line is ours not to draw in the sand. Not just you, not just us who call on him, Christian people who follow him. He desires all everyone to come to him he desires those who have done terrible things to others to come to him he desires those who have done terrible things to you personally to come to him the perspective of a loving God is easy to see when you're the one on the receiving end the song is not inclusive exclusive oh come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, come, come, come. According to scripture, Jesus wants all of us, and that includes your neighbor, and that includes your coworkers, and that includes your friends, and that includes people that are outside of these doors that are far from Jesus. When you sing these words, oh come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, when you sing these words this Christmas, know that it is all encompassing because Jesus desires everyone to be with him. It's a beautiful picture to paint, but it's a tough pill to swallow. Jesus is calling all of us to himself. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to, to fulfill his promise, as some count slow, slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but all should reach repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants to draw people to him. He desires relationship with us, and he's calling us to be with him regardless of the situation. And we're singing songs about it. But we're not thinking about this on a deeper level, that he is actually calling us out of our lives, out of our little bubbles, into his realm and into his world. The next words, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. 
Those are nice. Right? Those are nice, fun words. How often in life do you feel these? Do you feel any of these? Or do you feel the opposite? Do you get to this time of year and this song could actually read, based, if it was based on your life, could the song actually read, Oh, come all ye doubtful, depressed, and defeated. The good news today is God is calling all of us regardless of how you presently feel. The invitation is the same. God is calling all of us regardless of the present situation that we find ourselves in. The relieving thing this morning is that we don't have to have it all together. You're sitting in a room full of people that don't always feel these three things, faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You're sitting with people that don't feel this. And the better news is, is that God is totally okay with it. He's totally okay, and He totally resonates with you when you don't feel faithful, when you don't feel joyful, and when you don't feel triumphant. So I don't know where this season finds you, and I know this is an extremely difficult time of year for most of you in this room that have suffered loss this year like that you've never felt before, or you've had walked through something with your family, and you feel beat up, and you feel weary, and you feel burdened. The harsh reality is because of the weight of life and the weight of the holidays, some of us find difficult to get to this space, to get to the place of faithfulness, joyfulness, and being triumphant. And it's hard to remember what it's like to get to a place where you can resonate with these words. And many of you are far from that this year. But also, I remind you what Jesus says, come to me all who are burdened and all who are weary, and you will find rest. Some of you in this room are carrying yokes that you were never intended, intended to carry, and you're refusing to put them down. God wants us to be joyful because of the good news of Jesus. Can we start there? God wants us to be joyful because what we have received in Jesus. Luke chapter 2 says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. This Christmas season, what is it that is robbing your joy? What is standing you, standing in between you being the joyful person that you could be? What is robbing your joy? What is that thing? What is that person? What is that job? What is keeping you from being fully focused on him when he calls you the next word is a funny word triumphant and I don't know about you but I don't use this often like I've never used it <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what it means like I had to look it up because I, I want to be sure that I'm, I'm I'm very clear about what this means with these folks because I don't know if you use this word often. So if you do, please excuse me for being redundant. But here's what triumphant means. A triumphant means having won a battle or a contest or being victorious over something. Today, do you feel triumphant? Um, so I was going to, this is weird. It's totally weird. Um, this morning, I, I was going to tell something totally different. And... Um, for whatever reason, I know the reason, uh, that I got here and I was like, I, I should probably talk about something else. 
And so, um, because any story that I throw at you this morning, it pales into comparison to this other thing. Um, two weeks ago, I, and I don't, you guys out here, um, some of you know me well. <laughs> I don't stand up here and like you don't know everything about me. But um, two weeks ago, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we celebrated um, my sister-in-law being triumphant. Um, but she had been sober for a year. And I'm telling you, when I read this description, and I read this description of this battle, um, the past year has been a battle. And I'm close to the situation because I'm a loving uh, husband to my wife. And, um, but I haven't felt it. I feel it, but I don't feel it because it's not my child. But this past two weeks ago, we celebrated her being sober for a year. And I'm telling you that a year ago, we were planning her funeral. We've cried and prayed and hoped for a year before that. And my prayer shifted from... God, just help her win today. Just help her win today. Help her be sober today. Help her be sober today. And that was not working. And so my prayers started shifting to, God, you have to do something. Because nobody else is getting through. You have to do something. You have to step in. And so I've walked with my wife. And I walked with my mother-in-law. I walked with my other sister-in-law through this. This battle. Some of you guys in here are feeling the weight of this also. And let me give you some hope this morning that it, the light at the end of the tunnel might be dim, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Triumphant's a great feeling. That doesn't mean everything's fixed. That just means we have to keep working. Than anything that I can say to you about, oh, I made the team and I, I got a trophy uh, that's very minimal. If I had to pick a time where I felt most triumphant, it's for someone else. While we are very earthly level, while we are very earthly and we're, we're focused on our very earthly battles, God has focused himself on our spiritual battles he has been concentrating on making us triumphant over sin through Jesus while we have been concentrating on the ongoing uh, triumphant things that we find ourselves in weekly and daily for some of us that we've been concentrating on this that God is making us triumphant over our sins you see what we are focusing on last 80 years 70 years however long it is 
but God is focusing and focus is far more reaching. The next line is, oh, come to Bethlehem. I think this part is especially interesting. Luke chapter 2 says this, in the same region uh, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord, uh, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. At this, this is only conjecture, and. Um, I'm not sure what John Francis Wade, who wrote this, by the way, I'm not sure uh, what he meant when he wrote these words. But in the words of this song, I find that there's, there's value of leaving where they currently are, the shepherds leaving currently where they are, a life that they've built up, a family that they've built up, a career that they've built up. There's value in someone going to Bethlehem. There's something that, there's, that they are going to find there. That those who are coming to Bethlehem, those who are faithful, joyful, and triumphant, are leaving someplace else. This all implies that we are leaving something behind to discover what's ahead. Especially this Christmas season. This line specifically is imploring the audience's movement. You see, something has to be done. A meeting has to take place. Come to Bethlehem. If you read all of Luke chapter 2 or watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you will find that Jesus' family is traveling to Bethlehem to be counted in a census uh, because they're in the lineage of King David. In order to meet Jesus, the shepherds had to leave to meet him. Church, this Christmas, in approaching the manger, you are approaching your throne. In approaching the manger this Christmas, you're approaching the throne, and the king sits on his throne. He's calling you to him. This is especially contrary to what the world is teaching this time of year. With our schedules that are completely filled with shopping and Cyber Monday shopping and parties and plans and get-togethers and logistics, maybe the greatest measure you could take this morning is go to Bethlehem and find Jesus, figuratively, not literal. But are you too frazzled this season to meet him where he is? Are you too frazzled to leave what is familiar and trusting that God wants you to have an incredible experience when you get there? What do you need to leave behind to go visit Jesus today? Maybe it's your daytimer. <laughs> Maybe it's a work party. The final line that I want to talk about this this morning is come and behold him and again um, I don't really know what the word behold means I don't use that often so I had to look it up um, <laughs> for those of you that are so smart they use it all the time <laughs> the dictionary describes behold is to see or observe a thing or person especially remarkable or impressive one to behold something that is impressive and I was sitting in a room with Mark Graham this past week, and I said, man, tell me something that you have beheld. And he had to thought about it for a second. He said, man, I, I went on a trip, and I saw, um, I, it might have been in Canada, I can't remember. He said, I saw a glacier. 
and it was like I walked around, we hiked out to it, and then boom, it's right there. And I was like, I was taken back and in, in, in awe of what I saw, something remarkable or impressive. When was the last time you had a remarkable observation? What was that last thing? Think about the sights that you've seen. Think about the life that you've lived. Think about something incredible, something that has taken your breath away. Think about that thing. What do you behold? What do you behold weekly? Or what have you beheld in your life weekly? July 12, 2003, uh, I got married. There's a picture of us. And um, I, I put a full disclaimer on any wedding that I ever do. And um, I, I over-spiritualize everything. <laughs> everything. And so um, I, I watch a couple things that happen during a wedding ceremony. And I watch the, the bride enter the room. And I watch the groom. And then I watch the bride. And then I watch the groom. And then I watch the bride. And I watch the groom. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Because what I tend to over-spiritualize is this, this journey that we're all on. Because in the, in the Bible, we're called the bride of Christ. And so this bride is coming to her groom. And then I look at the groom, and then I think about the way that God looks at me. And this, this, this face, and this reaction, and this like he's just blown away by us. But that's the way that God sees us. And so I watch this this woman, um, me in particular, personally, I watched this woman walk through the doors of where we were married, and I'm blown away. I'm blown away. Like, I, I have zero words to describe what is happening to me that I'm like, oh my goodness. And so she gets about two feet inside the door, and I just, I start thinking about this, and I start over-spiritualizing over all this, and I start over-spiritualizing um, uh, me being the bride of Christ and all this, and I, I, like, I burst into tears. Like, I just, I'm standing there crying like a baby, and it's totally fine. It's awesome, because it's my wedding day. That's fine. And, but I'm watching this woman, and I'm watching this journey that I've been on and that she's been on coming for the groom to receive her. It's an amazing, amazing picture. The other time I felt this was August, tw uh, August 25th, 2009. This is Madison's birthday. Yeah. Huh. So, um, not to be too gruesome about any of this, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I found out that we were going to have a little girl, and I was like, oh my goodness. I get to be dad to a little girl. Like, this is amazing. And so I, 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 I talked to her. Hey, Madison, I love you. I don't even know what you look like, but I love you. And I'm talking to her on the outside of my, my wife's stomach. I love you, I love you, I love you. And so um, we go into the, to deliver her to the hospital, and, um, and, and Amy's pushing. Nothing's happening. And if you know us or if you know Madison you know that this is much like Madison that she kind of needs a kick in the pants every now and again and so um, she's very very extremely extremely content inside my wife and so she's not nothing's happening and so I'm standing there or I'm sitting there and I look at the doctor and I'm looking at Amy and I'm looking at I'm like, you can can you do something like make something happen and so uh, it, it got to be long, and he says, man, here's a couple options. We can keep pushing. She's exhausted. Amy's exhausted. Um, and, and, or I can get the forceps. And I said, 
Have you used them before? <laughs> it was his first time. No, I'm, te- I'm teasing. He reaches in. Madison's very content, pulls her out. And I'm, I'm, I behold this. Like, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. It's remarkable and impressive to see and observe this. And to know in that instance that she goes from breathing fluid to squeezing through the birth canal and breathing air. Like, that I'm able to hold this in this tiny little thing that is now my child. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's just a heavy weight there, right? The last one, and not the last one, but the, the, the last one is April 2nd, 2012, when, uh, when we welcomed Brady. And uh, much like Madison was very content, Brady was not. And this is their personalities also now. Um, my wife looked at the nurse, and she said, I have to use the bathroom. And the nurse goes, don't. That's the baby. Just wait. <laughs> it was like... And Brady came flying out. And so Brady, <laughs> Brady comes in a room and flings the door open. And he opens up the refrigerator and flings it open. And he breaks stuff and he clunks all around. And that's what he does. But another instance that I behold this, like I'm blown away and I'm so impressed to see and observe this thing and the role that I get to play in part of this. The invitation is pretty clear to come and behold him for all of us. But church, beholding him becomes increasingly difficult when we are more apt to behold other things this time of year. My hope is that we can step back and do that this season. My hope is that we can step back and when, when, when the world is telling us to behold other things, so come and behold him, or, uh, we are beholding him. This happens again in Scripture. When someone witnesses seeing a remarkable person, the next day he, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, behold, be blown away, be impressed. Because the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is here. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's astonished because of laying eyes on this person. Behold, here he is. Here he is. And yet it happens again. Towards the end of his life, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, Jesus looked at his mother And he said, woman, behold your son. Take notice, because something remarkable is about to happen. His life mission is complete. The debt is getting ready to be paid. The one who could actually do something about it is doing it. Folks, when you read the words, come and behold him this year, do that. Don't make yourself a liar. Don't sing those words when they come on and you're decorating, and, but, but, but we fail to do that. Take notice. Something remarkable is about to happen. Let's pray. Father, for this time and for this space, Father, we declare, all of us in unison, that you are good and that you are loving. 
And so, Father, we declare in all in unison in this place, in this space, that we desire you, we desire to be with you, and we desire to be with Jesus this time of year. So, Father, forgive us for times when we have beheld other things, and forgive us for times where, where we don't feel that. But, Father, lead us into that space now over the next several weeks. Father, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for seeing us in despair and confusion 2,000 years ago and coming up with a big resolution, a big, remarkable resolution. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.